finding these moments, these snippets of time in today's complicated, fast-paced, technically driven world is something that I hope everybody's doing. This is the Brilliance Leadership Learning Podcast, sharing thought-provoking content and discussions to enhance your leadership development journey. Be sure to subscribe to get notified of new episodes. Here are your hosts from the digital learning team at Crotonville, GE's Global Learning Institute. Hi, everybody, and welcome to the Brilliance Leadership Learning Podcast. Today, I have a very special guest, Susan Peters, the Senior Vice President of Human Resources for GE. And uh, I don't really need to say anything else other than that. So welcome, Susan. Thanks, Chantel. It's great to be here. Can you give us a little bit of an overview of what your current role is and maybe even some of your history with GE? Great. I'd be happy to. So currently, I am the Chief Human Resource Officer for GE. I've had that job since the summer of 13, uh, but I've been in GE a really long time. My current job as I lead the function of HR for the company is really to be sure that we um, handle all the aspects of human resources, uh, the candidate experience, the employee experience, the leadership training and development uh, labor relations, uh, compensation benefits, uh, you kind of name it, for all, all of our now 335,000 employees with the addition of Baker Hughes right. GE. Yeah, uh, yeah exactly. Uh, uh, just closed at the end of June, early July, actually, and now that group of 35,000 people is part of our cohort. And so 335,000 people in about 175 countries around the world. So you can imagine that all of those aspects of human resources, people, development, processes, labor, uh, laws, et cetera, regulation, they vary by geography, they vary by business, they vary by uh, function. And so I get to have one of the most interesting jobs in the universe, I think. And I've been with the company a really long time. I almost don't want to say 38 <laughs> years. 38 years. It just flew by. I'm serious. Yeah. And, no, that's great. Uh, so, it is great. So but to build off of that, though, what's kept you in the company for so long? What do you love about it? Well, I think it is that uh, variety that I mentioned, the idea that you can have multiple careers and multiple experiences under the umbrella of one amazing company. And so I've been in different industries and different businesses from when we owned NBC. I was there briefly. I was in our appliance business. I've been in our plastics business. I've worked in several locations. As a matter of fact, I moved to Boston last summer, and that's my 10th and hopefully my final move with GE. <laughs> uh, but I think what has also kept me is the variety of people, all of whom are impressive and awesome colleagues, leaders, bosses. I've learned from every person I've interfaced with and the work content, broad, deep and challenging. And I really believe that if you have it right on the people and the content of what you're working on, people find amazing careers. Right. And we believe that that's part of what we're responsible for at GE, ensuring that people have those amazing content and people relationships that keep them here. Yeah, absolutely. And so speaking of that, we launched Mission of a People Leader this past February on Valentine's Day. And so since we've been going through that process as a digital industrial company, um, how have you seen that evolve? Well, absolutely. I remember launching this. Uh, we we had a whole bunch of uh, those little heart candies involved uh -huh. <laughs> as we launched it, and I thought it was great and creative. 
And I think uh, launching the effort on people leaders is is sort of the next step in a never-ending journey about how do you make sure your culture and your people are connected. So I would just say that um, people and we, the people leaders, we have about 38,000 in GE, so it's a hugely important cohort. Right. And if we get it right with our people leaders, we'll get it right across the system on those things that I mentioned earlier, the people that you work with and the content that you get to work on. So we really are leaning into that. And I would say uh, it's actually something I'm getting quite a bit of positive feedback from people when I run into them and see them in meetings or at our Leadership Institute, Crotonville. And I get to hear from them that they appreciate that we understand the complexity of their job and that we're supporting them in becoming better at it, particularly with an emphasis on coaching. And I believe that that's how we will become uh, the digital industrial that we're striving to be because, you know, none of these strategic directions or paths are easy or clear. They're, nothing is linear anymore. Right. And so it is um, – uh, there's some intuitive aspect to, that we're going to have to have people leaders and all employees sort of just accept and, and buy into. But there's also going to be coaching around skills development and learnings. And I think that's the biggest thing about people leadership right now is the idea that they can be great coaches as we all evolve together to become a digital industrial company. Sure, absolutely. And we've also been running um, this week, we we have the summer seminar for our XLPs, which is the uh, accelerated leadership program that we run here at GE. And we, for the first time, combined the HR and supply chain tracks and did a simulation with them. And so speaking of that cultural aspect and maybe how HR has to change for the future, one of the great pieces of feedback we got was people really liked being able to see from an HR perspective if they were in supply chain and if they were in supply chain seeing from the HR perspective, it was really valuable. So what are your thoughts on that? Well, I think it's an example of the way work is moving, the direction work is moving, which is from functional or vertical to much more group and horizontal. And uh, we talk about horizontal uh, and mission-based teams. And I think that really is the way work is getting done very much in GE and will be done even more so in the future, that you would have a big project. Uh, let's solve for product costs. Let's solve for um, uh, quality. Let's create our, a strategy. Let's build this platform, whatever those uh, elements are, but you do it in a much more connected way. And I really think uh, putting uh, a functions together so that you really can't tell who's in what function. You really can't tell what uh, layer or, or, you know, structure point they're at. That's how uh, you get to uh, exciting, interesting mission-based teams. And true development happens in those experiences. As you said, Chantel, I mean, supply chain people got to learn through the lens of the HR perspective and vice versa. And that's how leadership and learning happens. And we're just going to be creating more and more of those kinds of work experiences. Sure. So shifting a little bit to, a little, I guess, the early career, folks who are earlier in their career, I know you spoke to some of our uh, year one XLPs as well. Um, what do you, what characteristics do you see in those early career employees that is really exciting um, and valuable in your eyes? 
Well, first of all, I was so impressed. I was at our XLP conference on Tuesday and with the HR track. And then I was there again this morning and had the opportunity to speak with the whole crowd. It's such an incredible program. We basically take this cohort of amazing people and give them even more amazing stretch experiences and assignments and projects. And you know, that formula has worked well for the company for a long time, but it, every time we do this, we evolve it to a new level. So I would just start by, by saying that uh, XLP is a really great representation of the way we think about development in the company. So more generically in early career, I'd say um, people, this is the time in your life to make yourself uncomfortable. Now, how weird does that sound? <laughs> a little, un because what we know is that people who have early career stretch assignments and experiences, some of them offered by their employer, some of them introduced by the person themselves, those are the people who develop the best. There's been years of research around this um, that says early career stretch uh, helps you become a bigger, better, faster leader. Now, what is stretch? Stretch is being outside of your comfort zone. So doing something that's different that you haven't done before, doing much more experimentation, taking on a project that you don't really know anything about, mm -hmm. all of these stretch experiences, um, more visibility and accountability than you've ever had, trying something new. Now, it doesn't mean you have to move from from uh, function to function or company to company or business to business. I think you can have absolute stretch experiences. For example, let's use supply chain as an example, mm -hmm. by going from sourcing to frontline management to um, you know, uh, introducing a new product, to opening a new factory, to closing a factory, to adding talent, to laying off talent. All of these are new, different experiences and stretch experiences. So my advice to early career is make sure you're getting enough of that stretch experience. And I think one of the great things about the cohort of people coming in to our early career programs and early career opportunities at GE right now is that there's a hunger, a thirst, and a willingness to do exactly this. Yeah. And I know you wrote a LinkedIn article recently about making time for yourself. How does that fit into this and making sure that we're getting enough of that learning? I love that you asked about that, Chantel, because uh, I think it's something that if you don't start the habit early, it's hard to build it into your habits later. So the habit I'm referring to is building in time for yourself, uh, reflection time into your daily, weekly, monthly calendar in a really intentional, specific way. I think a lot of people think that uh, development will sort of come to them. And if they work really hard and get all of their stuff done, that they'll get uh, the right exposure and the right opportunities and their career path will get enhanced and they'll get promoted. I actually see the opposite, that you have to have success and and outcomes, and you have to be known to be a person who delivers on their commitments, but that those people who do that and have built in time to understand themselves, have greater self-insight, to try new things, to grow, have, you know, just a better acceleration on themselves. And so I just say, be very intentional about the time it takes to think and reflect. And you can do it in so many ways these days. There's lots to read. There's taking a really nice walk or hike and just thinking. Uh, 
I mean, it's hard to do because today's world is so riddled with uh, technology and information mm-hmm. that's coming at us so quickly, right? And so you have to sort of force it. And that's why I think you have to schedule it. And, you know, hopefully you'll leave your cell phone at home when you do it. Yeah. Yeah. Is that what you do? Do you block off time so that you can... I do. I try really hard to block off some time. And I I think it's hard because then what pops into your head are all the things you're supposed to be doing. But that's the, you know, it's really the discipline of meditation. I'm not great at it, but I try really hard to be mindful and, uh, you know, I think it's hard. It's something I also do. I carve out time for my family and I give that advice to people schedule it. It sounds silly, but schedule time yeah, with your family, yeah. schedule time with yourself, schedule time to take a walk. And, uh, you'll be amazed at how much time is you still have to do the, uh, the expected things like the list of things for your job. Right. Yeah. Well, and even just staying curious, I think can be a really great help. Um, to just making sure that you're making connections, you're learning more about other perspectives, even something as simple as that, I think goes a long way. I I love that idea, that word curious, you know, there's, again, I, I've had the benefit, the pleasure, the, the honor actually of doing, uh, work around leadership development for quite some time. And particularly in my last job, which included being the chief learning officer of the company. Mm -hmm. And one of the things I learned during that era was, uh, actually through a a woman at, who's now at INSEAD by the name of Herminia Ibarra. And she's written some great things, but one of, yeah, she's (laughs) awesome. And she's great to follow on Twitter because she, you know, you get some really quick learning and then you can also dive deep into her research. But her research, uh, a while ago was about the, the idea of networks and how people who have broad networks make better overall decisions, business and personal decisions. And so a lot of people think they have a great network, but they think of it in terms of their business or their function. Mm. But she meant networks that were really broad and really diverse, people who had nothing to do with your background. So do you spend time with people who are musicians and philanthropists and farmers and, you know, street sweepers? And most of us don't. Most of us stay in a very sort of narrow, curated group. But how exciting and interesting to get such broad perspective if you broaden your horizon. So that's one thing you can do is you are intentionally um, thoughtful about how to spend your time. It, it may not be just alone. It may be with other people, but make it people who are really different from, from yourself. Yeah. And this reminds me of this concept of social leadership. When you're mentioning the the networking and the communities that we build and also that idea of a consumerized workforce where there's just the way that a leader has to build credibility and influence is a little bit different. So what are your thoughts on that? Well, we live in a transparent world, which I think is uh, great. Not everybody's yet comfortable with it, but it's a fact. So we ought to just accept it. Mm -hmm. And I think, for example, something like Glassdoor is probably one of the early representations of that where candidates and employees just write what they think about the job interview they had, about the people that are their (laughs) bosses, et cetera. And I think that that will be, um, you know, generically the way things happen that, you know, there'll be sort of this, you know, thumbs up, thumbs down on, on people, on leaders, on content, on strategy. And it, it is the democratization of the way people are thought of as leaders. And, 
And, you know, I love it. It's actually one of the things that we built into our PD tool. This mm-hmm. is with our, our performance feedback tool at GE is called PD, Performance Development at GE. And one of the elements of it, as you well know, Chantal, is that people can give feedback in any direction, including upward. Mm-hmm. And, of course, as we first rolled this out, that wasn't utilized as much, but it's gained tremendous traction and popularity, particularly in those places where the the leader invites it. And so I think you'll find people giving that kind of feedback, not just to the the individual, but even socially on on, um, media outlets and in sort of curated glass door type things. Yeah. Yeah. And so what are the questions that you like to ask other leaders? Well, I do think an important thing to understand is, you know, um, uh, what would you do differently? Uh, what did you learn? So there's always sort of the retrospective aspect of leadership mm-hmm. because there's so much to learn from so many people. So you don't want to lose <laughs> yeah. that. Right. Yeah. And I think sometimes you get these incredible gems. So what did you learn? What would you do differently? Um, I love the question, what if, and I, you know, like, what if we, didn't have a band structure in the company. What do you think? Or what if we, uh, you know, let employees teach all classes instead of, you know, senior leaders or, you know, what (laughs) if, I mean, you, you know, this, what if question allows you to sort of posit anything in front of anybody. And that's the kind of stuff I like to, to engage in, um, both casual fun and even sometimes very um, specific conversation. I think it's a question that people should have in their toolkit and feel comfortable asking in, in any meeting or event that they're in, uh, that they're a part of. So um, that's something I've played around with at least. Is there a, a common mistake that you see leaders making maybe more frequently than others? So here's something I've learned over a period of time. Where you see people um, make mistakes, it's that they don't reach out for help as they as they're getting into it mm. or as they're into it. Now, why is that? It might be because they're not aware that they're not in a good place. Mm. And I'd say the that if you have great peer relationships, your peers are a really wonderful, important, supportive place to kind of give you coaching and feedback. And once again, I hope our PD tool allows people to give feedback so that you know, oh, this isn't going well, or I have this issue that I need to deal with, or my behavior in that session wasn't correct. Um, But a common mistake is that if you get into a pickle, whether it's a strategic issue or a um, you know, something that you need to improve about the way you lead that you, um, that you don't take it seriously, reflect on it and do something about it. So I, the first step of that, of course, is to know about it. And that's where I think seeking feedback from others is the, the, the thing you should do. And it is a mistake. I've seen people not take advantage of it. So get feedback and, you know, ask your peers to be a great coach, friend, mentor to you as you go along mm-hmm. with all your other friends and mentors. Yeah. But uh, I think peers is a great thing. So a common mistake is to either not uh, leverage your peers or to not really understand where you are. Yeah, no, that is one of the things um, that I really love about the, the PDIGE process too, is being able to get that from peers. I think maybe before it wasn't so obvious to us that we should also be asking horizontally. So yeah, I, I totally agree with that. Um, what are some things that really matter in the organization, things that count that we're not counting? So aside from things that 
we measure on a regular basis. What are some things within the company that you think are really, really valuable or that we should at least pay attention to? Wow, that's a very interesting question. Hmm. So I, I think I'm going to answer it as two sides to a coin. Because the, the coin is the, is one thing, because this is about how you or me or we as people can interface. I'm going to ans- answer this through sort of my human resource lens, because there's all kinds of things that matter on yeah. our strategy yeah. and our, you know, digital decisions, et cetera, et cetera. But I'm going to answer it with the hardware and the software. And I mean that by the thing you do and the how you do it. The thing you do is, uh, what I think really matters, things that count is that, uh, um, you are known to be the person who will deliver on their product. And I would say that that's about um, meeting your, your goals, metrics, milestones in a consistent way. And if you're behind or whatever, make sure people know where you are. So it's sort of work performance, the hardware. It is a reality that it does matter. It does mm-hmm. count in the organization. You ask what counts, that counts. But I'm going to flip to the other side of the coin and talk a little bit about the software. That's how you do it. I actually think what matters is kindness and trust. And it sounds sort of really soft, but as I, as I've been around a long time, as I age, I think it's really important to be kind and have that as part of your MO. Everybody comes to work every day with a different set of baggage. Most of us don't know what people are going through every day. And I think sometimes we just want it to be about the results. And I think it just would be great if we could all just be kind to each other. And I believe if we're kind, people will appreciate that and they will then trust you. And trust is the grease on all of the skids inside of an organization, right? If you trust somebody, you're willing to empower them. If you trust somebody, you're willing to tell them kind of how you feel about the project, what really is the truth. But I think the trust starts with being in as a person, me every day, mm-hmm. being kind, being kind. Yeah. I love that. It's, I mean, it's so simple, but it's so true. I mean, <laughs> if we think of all the times that we are in the most basic of interactions in our lives and somebody was just nice to us. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's, it's so true. And you know what? We, the business, we spent so much time together in business. Mm-hmm. And I think partially because of that, it becomes mechanistic and yet, um, it is the, it is the stuff you remember, the, the small kindness, the small acts of kindness that matter. And I believe they're foundational to enabling that bigger goal, which is trust across yeah. the system. So yeah. that's my software side. You got to <laughs> deliver the goods, but you got to do it. Kindly. Right, right. Yeah. Well, so speaking of delivering the goods though, um, you know, we are, again, moving to a digital industrial company. We now are moving, uh, from, from Jeff Immelt to our new CEO, John Flannery. So where do you see the organization as a whole going? Well, uh, as with any transition, uh, particularly one as big as uh, the CEO transition at GE, uh, I think people are, are sort of waiting and seeing what what does this mean. There's always the human reaction is what does this mean yeah, for me? Yeah. For most people, there will be, you know, kind of very – I think, you know, GE will still be the place that they can um, have those incredible careers that we talked about earlier, that they can 
learn and grow and reflect and become a bigger, better leader. Um, I hope it's the place where they can practice those things like delivering the hardware and being kind and thoughtful along the way. Um, I would say that our agenda to become a digital industrial won't change. It doesn't mean that the way we get there, how we get there won't tweak along the way. That's the way it always is. And one of the things I like best about the culture of the company is that leaders at all levels, including with this CEO transition, um, recognize that when they pass the reins over to the next person, it's now that person's show. And mm-hmm. Jeff has been unbelievably cool, fun, and gracious with John saying, hey, here's some things that I've learned along the way, but now it's your turn. And you will do some things different from differently from me, and that's okay. I do believe that as you started this, Chantel, our agenda to become the digital industrial is still very much a part of what the company is and wants to be. But we will see some, you know, variation on the theme as we sure. go forward. And and that's a good thing. We learn from every single interface we have. And John will be no different from that. Yeah. I, I was lucky enough to be able to pop into his session um, for the uh, Accelerated Leadership Program this week. And he got an amazing reception. People people loved him. And one thing that just um, – it was like the first thing he said when he went up there, he's like, thank you, but I'm still tremendously human or something like that. Yeah, so, he really is. Yeah. He's and very I, humble, very authentic guy, no doubt. Yeah. Well, and but I just love that he said that because going back to this kindness thing, I think it also reminded us that we're all human and, you know. Absolutely. No matter what and- we're And it doesn't matter what job you're in and who you interface with, we will all make mistakes. And I think, you know, in many ways, that was the message he's sending. You know, hey, guys, we're in this together and I will do my best to lead you, as I think every leader in GE feels. But we are not going to get it perfect every single time. So let's work together to make it as good as it can be. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So what are you most passionate about right now? I know we've talked about a few things, but um, are there any special projects you've got going on? Oh, boy, I have a lot. I (laughs) I know. (laughs) I truly just finished maybe the biggest project of my life being involved in the uh, succession at GE. That was an amazing thing. And of course, I was involved in it for a number of years ahead of time, but very, very much so in the last, you know, six to 12 months. Uh, as we worked very closely with the board on that. So that was a huge project. But I can tell you, you know, no rest for the weary, as they say, because we're really relooking at uh, the company when you get a new leader like John, it gives you a chance to sort of reflect and, you know, re- relook at things. And that's definitely happening. Uh, so I'm pretty deeply involved in that, particularly at the corporate level. Um, I think that one of the biggest things I'm involved in is ensuring that the HR function, about 3,000 people across GE, has the tools capabilities, the the um, attitude, the commitment, the passion to deliver, because I, it's not about me, as John said, mm-hmm. it's really about the people that are doing it on, on behalf of the function every day. So I'm uh, doing some uh, calls and work with our EB, or I'm sorry, with our HR community in a way that hopefully gives them more context, more perspective that allows them to sort of deliver more effectively wherever they are in the world. Um, um, so I, I guess right now what I'd say I'm passionate about is just, uh, the ability for us all to be better as leaders and, uh, using whatever tools that it takes to get there, whether that's the support of the HR community, as I just mentioned, 
or whether it's the talent development that's happening at the XLP program that we've talked about, Mm -hmm. or whether it's uh, early career, or whether it's time as each individual reflects, I'd say uh, that's really what I'm most passionate about, that every, every person gets better all the time. Do you have any specific resources? Like, are there any books or anything that you've found really valuable? Wow. Um, it's great. Now I'm going to confess right here on this podcast that <laughs> confess, you know, confess. I, I read a lot. I do. I read a lot, but I mostly read fiction. It's surprising. I just finished the underground railroad by Colson Whitehead, okay. who was a New York times writer. Uh, it's an amazing, amazing book. And I read a lot of, you know, um, Jojo Moyes is a, an author that I read. Um, uh, Oh, I mean, if you want my book list, someday we'll do a whole <laughs> podcast. I'm not kidding. And I found within my, you know, colleagues here at work that we share books. And yeah. I mean, I think it's a lot of things. I just downloaded, though, at somebody's request, uh, somebody's recommendation, uh, the the latest Thomas Friedman um Thank you for being late is the, actually the name of it. And I have not read it yet, but that's next up on my reading list. Okay. Maybe we can start that together and we will yeah. <laughs> talk about and we'll it. Do, we could do a podcast on Thank You for Being Late. It's about disruption, technology, speed, et cetera. And I love Thomas Friedman. He's a great writer. So Yeah. Okay. Anyway. Yeah. So, you know, when you mentioned that you read a lot of fiction, I've actually heard at one point that reading fiction is really good for your mind because it, you know, helps with your imagination and creativity and letting your brain take a rest from real life. (laughs) Well, I love that you say that because I think that's actually true. And, um, you know, there are just some amazing writers and I'm in that book and I'm saying, wow, how do they do this? It's like, you know, people who are on Broadway or who are singers and, you know, I mean, this talent of this capability, I mean, Honestly, there's just, uh, you know, I've, I've probably read, and it's hard to believe because I squeeze it on airplanes yeah. or on a Friday night when I'm too tired to do anything else. And, um, you know, I think there's some really good ones that are out there. A Gentleman in Moscow is a great, relatively new book. Um, I, I've read, uh, you know, All the Light We Cannot See, which I know everybody's read. That's a great one. There's just a thousand of them. And again, we should do a podcast on fiction books that are awesome. Yeah, I would love that. I, I'm going to hold you to that. Uh-oh. <laughs> but I need to read some first, I guess. because I don't All think- right. Well, send me a, a note and I'll send you my latest two or three that I love. Okay, great. Cool. So uh, those are really all the questions I had, but is there anything else that you really want to share or... So first of all, Chantal, I thought you did a great job. We were It was a wide, varied conversation. So I hope the, the folks that end up listening to this uh, appreciate it. And, and uh, I love that you're doing it. Uh, the second thing I would share uh, is that, um, you know, if you're listening to this podcast, you're probably one of those people that does take some time to, to, for themselves. And I just encourage you to keep doing that and that you bring your friends, family and work colleagues along with you. And a way to do it is exactly this. Share the things you've read, share the podcasts you've listened to. For example, the other another podcast I'm listening to as I walk to work is um, I assume you've probably heard of it, Chantel. Um, uh, Malcolm Gladwell's doing one on, called Revisionist History, which I've been having yeah. a lot of fun with. Yeah. So I think finding these moments, these snippets of time, 
in today's complicated, fast-paced, technically driven world is something that I hope everybody's doing. So that would be just my final reflection on this podcast. That's awesome. Thank you so much for your time, Susan. I really appreciate it. That's great, Chantel. Have a good one. You too. Take care. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe on iTunes, follow us on SoundCloud, and of course, like, comment, rate, and share. Thanks for listening.